Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 726 with Dr. Jim Aframau. Jim has spent tons of great time with athletes, helping them figure out how to think like champions and perform like champions. And he shares those same sorts of insights with us to become all the better thinkers and leaders and professionals. So you'll learn one, the five-minute mental training routine used by top athletes. Two, two easy ways to turn a bad day around. And three, a powerful question to elevate your leadership. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, please pay us a visit at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP726 and check out a lot of the other goodies at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Jim's story. Dr. Jim Aframau is a much sought after mental skills coach, licensed professional counselor, and co-founder of the Champions Mind app and author of The Champions Mind, of which there have been over 140,000 copies sold as well as the champions comeback and the young champions mind. For over 20 years, Dr. Aframau has assisted numerous high school, collegiate, recreational, and professional athletes. He's also mentally trained several U.S. and international Olympic competitors. Jim has served as a senior staff member with counseling services and sports medicine at Arizona State University and as a mental skills coach and the peak performance coordinator with the San Francisco Giants Major League Baseball organization. He's also helped many business executives elevate their mental games. Big thanks to Jim for sharing his wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jim. Jim, thanks for joining us here on How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Hey, Pete. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, I'm excited to talk about your wisdom. And you've helped a lot of athletes achieve peak performance. I'd love to hear, is there a particularly dramatic or exciting story you'd like to share to, uh, to set the stage or the scene for, for what could be possible if we become mental champions? Absolutely. So one of my favorite stories is from Natalie Cook, and she's a five-time Olympian, and she won the gold medal in sand volleyball at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. And the story behind that is her grandfather, when she was really young, encouraged her to dream big and set a that's impossible goal, or it seems like an impossible goal. And so she said, Grandpa, I want to win a gold medal in the Olympics, and I don't even know what sport yet. So (laughs) he said, you know, really go for it. And I believe in you. And so anyway, she ended up really dedicating her life to excellence. And she surrounded herself with the color gold. So she wore gold colored sunglasses and 
had painted her nails gold and uh, just surrounded herself with gold as almost a subliminal message that that's what you're gunning for in life. And so she ended up, again, accomplishing all of her goals. But my favorite part of the story that she shared with me is that she was asked after winning the Olympic gold medal, what if she had finished second place? What if she got a silver medal? And her response is perfect. She said, well, I would have painted my silver medal gold. (laughs) And her point was, it's not about the medal. It's about living a gold medal life. And so when she decided to really go for it, she ended up telling everyone. And one of the things that usually when we set a big goal, we don't want to tell anyone because, you know, what if we don't accomplish it? And her idea was, you know, I want people to hold me accountable to that goal. And she calls it teaming, which is, you know, surrounding yourself with people that really support your dreams and goals. And it's just a great story because I think that should be something that we all strive for is to live a gold medal life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I dig that. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear some of the, the particular insights and tools from your books, The Champion's Mind, and your latest, The Leader's Mind, How Great Leaders Prepare, Perform, and Prevail. So that'll be fun. But first, my producers and I, we were prepping for this. We can't resist. On your website, you have an intriguing teaser that says, win the mental battle, train your mind in just five minutes a day by following the mental training routines used by top athletes. That's good copy, Jim. Tell us, what is the five-minute mental training routine used by top athletes, and can you walk us through it, and what is it going to do for us? Well, absolutely. So I do have an app, Champions Mind app. It's sort of like a power toolbox, and the power tools would be things that we should all work on regardless of whether we're athletes or not. So examples would be positive self-talk. How can we talk better to ourselves to accomplish what we want more in life? Gratitude. We've often heard about gratitude and how important it is, but I don't think we realize how important it really is and what a game changer it is. So there's different tools and techniques for how to be more grateful in life. Goal setting, just like we were talking about with Natalie Cook, let's write our goals down, let's share them with others, and let's put them somewhere where we could see them each day. In addition to that visualization, that's one of my favorite mental skills, Uh, you know, not only just picturing our success, but the steps the specific steps to achieve our success. Uh, And then, of course, mindfulness. There's a new saying now in sports, which is be where your feet are. And if we're in the moment, we're at full power. But most of us tend to be thinking about what happened earlier today or what might go on later today instead of being right here right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Well, that sounds good. And I could do all that in five minutes? You could definitely do that in five minutes. And the neat thing about mental skills training is that you could do it in tandem or in parallel with other activities. So for example, gratitude. One of the suggestions that I like to give to athletes is when they're driving to the arena or the ballpark is turn the music completely off and think about what you're grateful for, not only in your sport, but also in the rest of your life. And so then you start your day or your practice with an attitude of gratitude, which really helps us not only to feel our best, but to perform our best. Mm -hmm. Okay, certainly. Well, so then I'm curious, like over the course of five minutes, uh, what might my uh, ritual or protocol be in terms of um, if I'm going to do a little bit of all of these things in five minutes? Yep. What you can do is I think that having a routine is good. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we 
hate as human beings is, you know, uncertainty. And that adds a lot to our stress. And the world is kind of an uncertain place right now with the pandemic and just, you know, maybe job security and those kind of things. So build a routine around thinking like a champion each day. So whether in the morning, afternoon, or in the evening, set aside some time to, you know, review our goals, review what makes us grateful, to give ourselves credit where credit is due. Most of us are too hard on ourselves and not hard enough. So part of the positive self-talk is thinking about what you did do well today or what you've done well recently and say, hey, that's just like me to do that. Mm-hmm. And then mindfulness, again, you know, kind of in parallel with other activities, when you're eating, really taste your food or when you're taking a sip of water, really taste you know, the temperature and feel that water cooling your chest as it goes down when you take your sip. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I do. I like cold water so much more for that very reason. It's it's just more entertaining and rejuvenating in, in my own personal opinion. And so who would have thought it? Apparently by adding some mindfulness to that, I can be more champion-like in my mental game. So so that's cool. Well, so then, then share with us then. So your latest, The Leader's Mind, How Great Leaders Prepare, Perform, and Prevail. Sort of what's the the big idea here? Well, the big idea is that we need good leadership now more than ever, and that all of us are leaders in one way or another. We don't need a title to be a leader. And so take the opportunity to show good leadership skills in all areas of one's life. So, you know, as a parent, as a coworker, whether a teammate, or if you happen to coach a team or be a boss, I think it's important to be the very best you can be as a leader, because number one, we know that People don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad bosses. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, too, that we know is that from research that most of us at work are only about 50% engaged with what we're doing in the moment. Mm -hmm. We're either feeling entitled or unhappy or negative. We're not really engaged with what we're doing. And so we're not going to perform well, obviously, and then no one wins when that happens. Okay. So lay it on us then. What should we do in terms of, is there a particular mindset that gets us engaged and raring to go and, and makes us do better leadershipy activities and, <laughs> and avoid uh, poor uh, leadership activities? How do we think about the mental game here? Yeah, well, I think it all starts with the idea that champions make each day count. So most of us tend to procrastinate. I'll just try to get through today and then maybe tomorrow I'll bring my A game. And that's one thing that champions don't do. Uh, What they do do is, how can I get one day better today? And so it's that attitude that whatever I'm doing today, I'm going to do it to the fullest. And so I'm going to have a great attitude and give my best effort. Mm -hmm. And so part of being a great leader is taking care of yourself and leading by example. So that's why some of those mental skills and strategies we talked about at the beginning are so important. You know, am I talking good to myself, you know, with positive self-talk? Do I have great body language? You know, as a leader, you got to ask yourself, would I want to work for me today? If I'm a coach, would I want to play for me today? So it all starts with setting the, the right tone with your attitude And then looking for ways to help others around you. And when we help others around us, we kind of feel better about ourselves. And then it shows that we're there for the right reason. Instead of it just being about us, it's about the collective good. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious. So, so Jim, if you said that sometimes we have these days like, ugh, I'm kind of tired, I don't know, bored, unmotivated, disengaged, not into it, whatever's going on, a little bit of blah or yuck going on. 
And so rather than responding with a, uh, let's see if I could just get through the day and then maybe tomorrow will be better and I can really make it count tomorrow. I'm curious if you're in, if you're in the heat of battle there, the uh, feeling not so grand, what do you do? Like, how can you, you flip the switch or, or get to a better place, or maybe you just don't and you suffer through, but that somehow feel horrible on the inside, but I guess look good on the outside and, and, and get some things done. Help us, Jim, when you're in that yucky place, what do you do? Yeah, well, you definitely need a go-to strategy, and and I have a bunch to share. But the thing is, is it's really a fork in the road in terms of, am I just going to go down the path of least resistance and good is good enough? And then we know that when our head hits the pillow at night, we usually don't feel good about our day, you know, in terms of, yeah, I settled for silver instead of really went for gold today. But when we when we do our best, I don't think anyone ever regrets that. And then we're more likely to get in a flow state or in the zone. And not only do we perform better, we end up enjoying our day more. So we have everything to gain and nothing to lose by giving that extra effort of excellence. And so one kind of fun activity that I like to do with athletes is I suggest that they pick an animal, a predator in nature that they want to emulate on the field or in practice. Right. (laughs) And, you know, it could be a fun team building exercise as well. But when you think about predators, they love to hunt. They live in the moment. They're not too worried about what else is going on around them. And when they're hunting for prey, they're totally focused and goal-oriented. And if they don't get that prey... They don't needlessly beat themselves up. What they tend to do is just, okay, where's my next prey? And I think that what's really cool about that, thinking about what's my predator that I want to emulate on the field, is then we could talk to ourselves that way. So we could say, you know, if I'm feeling a little bit low energy, I could say, hey, wake up. It's time to hunt. You know, be the tiger, be the lion. Let's get after it today. And I think one of the things, too, is that for athletes and other performers, we tend to think, well, if I have a bad day, I'm a bad performer or a bad worker or a bad athlete. And what I like to remind my clients is that even tigers have bad days, but they're still tigers. Okay. Noted. Thank you. That's cool. Well, so I'm intrigued. You really sort of go into some detail in terms of the internal conversations. Can you share with us, you mentioned a go-to strategy. Are there any key words or phrases, some do's and don'ts in terms of particular verbiage inside our heads? Yeah. Well, self-talk is, uh, you know, the mind leads the body. So that's also a good metaphor for leadership. The leader kind of leads the team. And But the reason why self-talk is so important is because we have about 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. There's different estimates, but we have a lot of thoughts per day. And the one thing we do know from research is that most of those thoughts are negative. So we all have a negativity bias that keeps us, keeps us safe. And that's the number one priority of our brain is safety first. Uh, that's the mm-hmm. operating principle there. And so that's going to keep us safe, but it's not necessarily going to make us successful. And so in order to be happy and successful, we need to counteract that negative self-talk with positive self-talk. And so that's where I like to say that champions listen to themselves or, or rather they talk to themselves. They don't listen to themselves because most of the thoughts that we're going to have are going to be negative throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So when you catch yourself kind of in that negative state of mind, that's when, you know, you really need to kick in the positive self-talk. And it could be as simple as I can do this. I am strong. Mm -hmm. or I am not alone. One athlete that I worked with was 
kind of having some challenges with conditioning on her team. She's a freshman and moved up to college. And man, the conditioning was a lot harder than in high school. And so one of the things that she would say to herself is, I'm not alone. I'm strong. I can do this. And she would just repeat it over and over again. And that helped her get through those tough workouts. Whereas before, what she was saying to herself is, this hurts. This sucks. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It sounds so simple. And yet... You're telling us that that makes the difference in terms of whether you you quit and don't get the result versus you persist and and do. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, our muscles are always listening to what the mind says. So mm -hmm. if we want our muscles to perform or our body to perform the way we want, we need to really give it the right messages. And self-talk is something that just like with gratitude or goal setting or visualization, body language, all these skills and strategies are simple, but they're not easy. Uh, we just need to remember to do them. And usually when we need to do them the most is when we least feel like doing them. <laughs> so again, we're yeah. having an off day, we're low energy, adversity is striking, and that's when we need to say, okay, game on, put on the champion, and look at whatever we're faced with as a challenge to overcome rather than a threat to avoid. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued about self-talk in that it's not that often that I am too harsh on myself, like, oh, I'm a loser, I'm more on an idiot. That happens here and there. But uh, mostly my, my own negative self-talk is more just like I'm irritated by something. For example, I was trying to sell something on Facebook Marketplace, mostly just because I wanted them to haul it away without paying for it to be hauled away. So don't tell them, but I would take uh, I would take zero dollars for this item. But anyhow, so they said a message like, oh, hey, like what time or whatever. And then I, I'm not on Facebook for a while. And then 40 minutes later, they're like, hello, question mark. And that just makes me angry, Jim. I don't know if that's just me or, or what, because it's sort of like I am angry that someone has the expectation of being always on and instantly replying and like, I feel like I have failed or disappointed them in some expectation, but I think that expectation is bullcrap. So I'm angry. Usually I can let that pass, but it gets me in a little bit of a slant or a funk. And I think the mind with those 60 to 80,000 thoughts, it's sort of like once you're pre-wired or in one shoot of emotional being, it's easier to see, well, what else is irritating and make an anger inducing in my environment or world? So, so Jim, I'd love to get your take on that when it comes to self-talk. And sometimes it's not even verbal inside the mind's ear, but it's an emotion. And sometimes it's not lifted or pointed at the self like I'm so bad, but rather something else. But it still has unpleasant effects that can decrease performance and productivity over the course of a day. So yeah, I guess I, I laid it on, I laid it on you, my own situation, but some of the nuances of self-talk, how might you address that situation? Yeah, well, we definitely, most of the time, our first appraisal is usually negative. And again, that yeah. relates to the negativity bias. So I can't believe this is happening or why now, or this isn't fair. Yeah. What's this guy's problem? Chill out, man. Exactly. So people don't live their lives on Facebook. Exactly. Deal with it. <laughs> right? Like, it's just un un not helpful. <laughs> exactly. And that's where we need to make a reappraisal of the situation and either look at it in a humorous way, like, okay, this is going to be a funny thing to share with someone later today. Or we look at it as a challenge to overcome. 
And one of the little sayings that I like to use for myself is get your expectations in line with reality. And most of us expect, you know, everything to go perfectly well each day and Mm -hmm. lots of luck. That's not going to happen. And so reminds me of the story of Walter Hagen. He was a, about a hundred years ago, one of the best golfers in the world, if not the best golfer of his time. And he reacted really well to bad shots when he played. And, you know, back in the day, most golfers would throw their clubs and, you know, and, or break their clubs and, you know, let it ruin their whole round when something bad happened. And he just ho-hum went on to the next shot, hit a good shot. And so he was asked, you know, how do you do that? How do you keep such a great attitude? And he said, well, I expect, you know, four or five or six bad shots around and golf is not a game of perfect, so to speak, as we say nowadays. So when I do hit a bad shot, well, there's one of the five, six, or seven bad shots that I'm going to hit today or this tournament. So let it go. Put it behind Mm -hmm. me. And so that's kind of a key of champions is they tend to underreact emotionally when things aren't going well rather than to overreact. And so I like to joke again with performers that no one after a competition has ever said, man, I wish I got more angry out there or more anxious out there or whatever it is out there. I wish I overreacted more to that bad call by the ref. (laughs) You know, it's usually, you know, I should have kept my cool. And that's where I like the saying that cool heads win hot games. Mm -hmm. Well, that's lovely. So, so two great tools there. One is expectations. Like, hey, if you uh, interact with with strangers, they're probably going to have some <laughs> some unusual characters in some ways. And there was a scammer in the mix as well. So, to be expected. So, as opposed to be like, I'm so mad and frustrated and surprised and shocked that this thing happened. But so, one tool get those expectations aligned with reality. Secondly, reappraisal. Tell us how, how could we do that? What are some examples of reappraising? You say funny. I guess I'm imagining. I don't know, Seinfeld or something. You could make a whole episode out of this <laughs> nothingness and turn that into, into humor. Can you give us some examples of reappraisal in action, how it's done? Well, let's say the classic example is, you know, you're stuck in traffic and you need to get somewhere, you know, maybe to work that day and you're getting frustrated. What's taking so long? Why are the roads so crowded? And so we're going to have that instant negative reaction. And I think that's where we could catch ourselves, take a deep breath and kind of laugh it off and maybe think of it as an episode of Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. And just think that if I were watching this on TV, what would make this situation kind of humorous or funny? And versus just getting upset and then kind of reminds me of uh, what's the saying that if it's kind of like holding a hot coal and expecting it to hurt someone else, you know, like if that you're mad at. So like revenge. Yeah. So we tend to be our own worst enemy in those situations where we just stress ourselves out and then, but yet we're the ones holding the stress. So it's not, the problem isn't the problem is I guess what I'm getting at. It's our reaction to the problem. That's often the problem. Uh So being stuck in traffic is just, okay, it's going to happen. It's I'll probably be a few minutes late. It's not the end of the world. You know, again, get my expectations in line with, with reality. And then maybe take a deep breath, listen to something good on the radio versus getting really upset, frustrated, heated. And then all of a sudden we have this really, we slip into this black hole and then carry it around with us all day. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you. So these are, these are parts of the mental game that apply to, to everybody. I'd be curious to hear, particularly with your book here, The Leader's Mind, how do we translate this into leadership contexts? Like, are there any particular applications, use cases, do's and don'ts that make all the difference when it comes to leading others? 
I do think that what's really, really important is that we get crystal clear about our core values. And one example that I share in the book is when Steve Kerr decided to accept the Golden State Warriors head coaching job for the basketball team, he started reaching out to not only his mentors, you know, in the basketball world, Phil Jackson, you know, when he was with the Bulls and then Greg Popovich when he was with the San Antonio Spurs, but he reached outside of his sport. And one of the people that he reached out to was Pete Carroll, who's, you know, the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl winning coach. And he said, Pete, what should I do in terms of being a great coach? And Pete said, don't worry about the X's and O's so much. I want you to start with what is most important to you. And he said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, write down 10 core values and then narrow that list to four core values that you're going to implement in your program on your team and that you're going to live each day. And so he came up with joy, mindfulness, competition, and then gratitude. And what's really powerful about that is they incorporated those things into everyday practice. So let's make sure we're having fun with a purpose at practice. You know, in terms of the gratitude or the caring for others, let's really care about each other, not just the uniform, but the person in the uniform. And so he started really living those core values. And I think that that's really important because then you could kind of gauge, you know, am I living those? Are we living those? And then when the team or the organization kind of hits a wall or goes through a period of struggle, you could go back to those core values. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. All right. So, and I'm curious, core values have come up a few times on the show. How does one arrive at them? I mean, I, I could just think of some off the top of my head. Sure. And maybe that's your first 10 or 50. Uh, as depending on how much the juices are flowing. And then how do you recommend you really zero in on what are the, the big four? Yeah, I think that one thing is having role models can be important. So in terms of leadership, we don't have to be kind of lost in the wilderness on our own. We should have leaders that we look up to that we can gain some wisdom from. And so kind of along those lines would would be, who do I respect most, you know, in terms of leadership? You could, it could be a family member, you know, a parent. It could be maybe a teacher or a boss that you've had or a coach, or it could be someone that you've studied, you know, in history or, you know, maybe a current coach in, you know, a major league sport. And then you think about, okay, what are their core values? How do those resonate with kind of my own experience? And that could be a good starting point. So just with, for example, with, with Steve Kerr, I really like his core value of joy because I'm a big believer that the more fun you have, the better you're going to do. And the better you do, the more fun you're going to have. So let's start with joy. If, if we're not having fun, and again, it's not silly fun or goofing off fun, it's fun with a purpose, or it could even be intense fun. If we're not having fun in any area of our life, uh, we're probably not going to be doing that well in that area of our life. That's good. Thank you. Okay, so core values, that's one huge cornerstone in terms of leading well. What else do you recommend? I love the idea of uh, having an after-action review or a debrief after a performance. And in the work world, it could be, you know, maybe a weekly debrief. But basically, what are we doing well and, and what can we do better moving forward? And that also gives you the opportunity to celebrate what you're doing well, give yourself credit where credit is due, but then also to really put your finger on, okay, here are some, you know, let's target some areas for growth that we could really 
take up a notch and that will help us to move forward. Because that's, again, the goal is to get one day better every day or one week better every week. And if you can do that throughout a season or or a year and do it every season and every year, you're going to like where you end up. Mm-hmm. I love it. And likewise, what are some things we should not do or stop doing? Any key mistakes that leaders tend to make repeatedly that maybe they're not even aware of? You know, what's really, really fascinating is in terms of the advice I give coaches and other types of leaders, number one is I'll ask them, have you ever asked your employees or your athletes, what do I need to know about you uh, or what do you want me to know about you in order to be the best leader I can possibly be for you? And it's such an interesting and powerful question that we tend not to, you know, it's almost too simple, but it's really powerful. And so a lot of the coaches that I've worked with will ask their athletes, you know, on an index card, write down some things that you want me to know about you that will help me to be the best coach possible for you. And it's amazing what they get back, you know, it might be, Hey, I like when you coach me really tough, or, you know, I respond better in this to maybe encouragement versus being challenged. And so Really, it's a great way to get to learn what buttons to press to get the most out of the people you work for. And then so everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Thank you. Well, tell me, Jim, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Well, I think that visualization is, again, it's one of those skills that I think we all used a lot when we were little, just kind of spontaneously picturing kind of cool and awesome things. And let's get back to being creative in our own lives. And I encourage people to spend a few minutes a day just with their eyes closed and visualizing kind of who they want to be as a professional and performing the way that you want to perform. And so it's not just the end result of holding the trophy or getting the big paycheck, but the steps that will lead to that. But spend a little more time crafting your reality in your mind's eye. And it's amazing how often that will manifest itself in real life. I did that with my first book, The Champion's Mind. I visualized holding the finished product uh, while I was writing it. And it gave me the extra motivation to, uh, to work when it was hard to sit down at the desk and write. All right, cool. Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Well, a quote from Muhammad Ali, I really, really appreciate. So he was doing, during one of his fight camps, he was uh, he was doing sit-ups. And one of the reporters after, you know, was watching and afterward asked Muhammad Ali, uh, how many sit-ups did you do there? And Muhammad Ali said, you know, I don't know, because I only start counting them when they start hurting <laughs> he said, the reason I do that is because those are the ones that really count. Those are the ones that make you a champion. And so I really love that quote about when things get tough, that's when you really find out what you're made of. And that's where you really, you know, that extra effort of excellence, that's where really you could go that accomplish what you really want to accomplish. And so working hard when things get hard is the great separator. Uh-huh. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I always got a kick out of, so just majoring in psychology and as an undergrad, I went to University of Oregon undergrad and they just had a great psychology department and just fell in love with psychology and then studied sports psychology and counseling in grad school. But uh, I was a big fan of the uh, Stanford Marshmallow experiment. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite book? I really enjoyed uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, yes. It's a great movie, the early one. I know there's been uh, a newer movie of it made, but I just love the, you know, just the adventure of it and the story of redemption. This guy gets wronged and 
and finds a way to kind of crawl back and reinvent himself and come back out on top again. So I, I kind of love those stories about great comebacks. All right. And a favorite tool? Favorite tool for me is is having that attitude of gratitude. And along those lines, I, I like the quote that entitled to nothing, but grateful for everything. And, and usually when I find that, you know, I'm in that state of gratitude where I appreciate everything I have in life and I'm thankful for the people in my life, it just makes everything better. I heard someone once say that if everyone in the world put all their troubles in a big circle, you would gladly take yours back. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. so most of us could probably appreciate what we have or the bad things that we don't have much more, and that will make us feel much better about things. And a favorite nugget, something you share that really connects and resonates with folks, they quote it back to you often. So the mantra, the kind of the motto is for the Champion's Mind book uh, is think gold and never settle for silver. And so it's just that reminder that every day is an opportunity to be the best or the gold version of ourselves. So to ask ourselves, what can I do today? What acts of excellence can I do today to make my life more golden? I think that's an important question. And then my second book, The Champion's Comeback, it's we're going to get knocked down. If we have big goals and dreams in life, we're going to get, we're going to fall but we need to get back up again. So I love the saying that love the comeback more than you hate the setback. Uh-huh. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, my website is goldmetalmind.net and I'm on Twitter a lot and I might already be following you or we might already be following each other because I follow a lot of people and have a lot of followers, but that's at, at goldmetalmind. And then on Instagram, Jim Afromo. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, I would start with what's one thing that I'm going to start doing as a result of listening to the podcast today, you know, in my own life. And it could be a small thing. It doesn't have to necessarily be a big thing. It might even be just I'm going to take a gratitude drive when I go to work each day. So one thing I'm going to start doing and then one thing that I'm going to stop doing. And it might be related to, you know, I'm going to stop watching TV or looking at my phone while I'm eating. I'm going to really sit and be mindful and appreciative of the food that I'm eating. All right. Jim, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you much luck and much champion goodness. Thanks so much, Pete. I love what Jim had to say with that question. What do I need to know about you to be the best leader I can be for you? That is huge. I'm a huge advocate of those sorts of conversations. Simple and we forget to do it. And also in reverse, in terms of what can I do to be the best worker, the best teammate, the best collaborator for you? Mary Abajay talked about in the episode of How to Manage Your Manager being effective there in terms of having those discussions and fewer than 1% of people do, but boy, it makes a world of difference to have the understanding of what people really want, need, expect, value, and to be able to rock and roll and deliver on that. So great stuff. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP726. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. 
hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 